Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Hey, well, welcome Believers Church. It's so good to be here with you today. Uh, my name is Graham Cathers, and I've had the privilege of being the campus pastor in Boardman. And I just wanna welcome you, whether you're watching online, if you're at TCI, Boardman, welcome. Just glad to have you guys with us today. Uh, this is a very interesting weekend for me because it is my last official weekend at Believers Church. Uh, Lori and I have been here about seven years. I was just thinking about this on the way to church today that uh, we showed up right on the heels of what was to be your worst winter in the last 20 years. And uh, Believers was still having Wednesday night services back then. And I remember they scheduled me for, I think, a whole month's worth of Wednesday nights in February. And all I remember was we got snowed out of a couple of them. So I never quite got to finish that series. You know, I'm still waiting to finish it. But anyways, that may not happen. Uh, but we just want to say that we've been very, very blessed to be here. Um, we, uh, we love you guys. Uh, we've had a chance to serve at both campuses and just fall in love with all of you. It's been an honor. It's been a privilege. Um, you know, as Dave Ramsey would say, you guys have treated me way better than I've deserved. So I appreciate that. Um, and I know for a fact that I'll be back because I know a lot of you, you know, you live in Champion and Warren and Howland or Canfield, Poland, Boardman, whatever. Um, I no longer live in a place like that. And here's why. Um, I have a one and a half year old granddaughter by the name of Desiree and we call her Desi. So I have renamed this place. This is no longer, it's not Disneyland, but it's Desiland. And so I can guarantee you there is a magnet in my heart that is attached to her heart, and we will be back. So you will see us now and then. Right out of the gate, though, I just really want to thank Pastors uh, Joe and Gina and all the staff here, um, all the leaders that have surrounded us and helped us to do everything that we've done. Uh, you guys have been incredible, and so we just want to say thank you so much. Uh, it's just been really a privilege to be here with you, and, and we've been honored. We really have, and we've just absolutely loved uh, what God has given us here to do. And uh, that's coming to an end now. And so uh, it, it's, as Pastor Joe said, a little bit bittersweet, uh, but we really believe that God has been um, laying on our heart for some time a, a new assignment. And that's been over a year in the making. That's come through a lot of prayer and just talking. And uh, we finally came to the place where we realized that God was leading us out to the Phoenix, Arizona area. And so that's where we're gonna be going in the next several weeks. And uh, we, we really do uh, ask for your prayers. Uh, it, there's always challenges along the way and, and we really appreciate those uh, prayers that you are lifting up for us already. So thank you so much. Uh, your responses have already been amazing and overwhelming and we're just grateful, we're grateful. Um, you know, this morning as, as I'm going out, uh, I was just thinking about how we came to Northeast Ohio and obviously family played a very big role in that. Um, my mother-in-law was still alive at that time. And so that was a big reason for us to want to be here. But we really just prayed. And we said, Lord, we really need your wisdom, your guidance. We need you to lead us and to order our steps, which you've promised us that you would do. And we know for a fact that he did. We know that he ordered our steps right here to this area and so that's where God planted us. And one of the things that I learned a long time ago is that it's important to take a step when it's time to take a step. And here's what I mean by that. I have a brother who is roughly two years older than me. 
And uh, what you're seeing right now on your screen is a picture of Graham at maybe age eight. I think I was in about third grade in this picture. And so uh, moms, if you uh, are a mother of a boy age eight, you know that sometimes their brains aren't always working the way they should. And so my brother and I just had this little game that we were doing one afternoon because we thought it was cool. And it was a game called chicken. And the way this worked was he got on like his stingray with the banana seat and he just came barreling down the street real close to the curb. And we had these curbs about eight inches up. And what I'd do is I'd wait to the last second. And right before he got on top of me with that bike, I would just kind of hop. I'd take that little step. I'd jump up on the curb and he'd fly right on by me. Now, little Graham in his third grade mind was not thinking right because here's what I thought. I thought, you know what? I'm not chicken, he's chicken. I'm gonna make him back down. Like when he comes barreling down on me, instead of me jumping up on that curb, I'm gonna stand my ground. I'm gonna stand my ground and at the last second he's gonna go, no, and he's gonna pull out. He's gonna be the chicken in this game. Well, what I can tell you that I remember about the incident is I do remember the tire tread running over my ear. And so he definitely trucked me. And that was a lesson for me. Like there's times when you need to take a step and when that time comes, go ahead and take that step. And that's what we're gonna talk a little bit about today is about the steps that God asks us to take because God is extremely faithful. And even though he's faithful, he's still gonna require us to take steps of obedience. And we see that all through the Bible. And I like to say it this way, you're never, no, you're never gonna know if you can walk on water until you step out of the boat. So, you know, Jesus called Peter, he said, come. Peter had to step out of that boat. There's gonna be times that God's gonna call you to come and it's gonna mean stepping out of your comfort zone, stepping into something new, something different. It's gonna be challenging to you. And I wanna encourage you when you know that that's him calling you to do it, go ahead and step out of the boat because that's the only way that you're gonna ever find out if you can really walk on water or not. I love this passage in Hebrews chapter 11, verse eight. It says this, it was by faith Abraham obeyed God's call to go to another place God promised to give him. He left his own country, not knowing where he was to go. And I love that. It's God calls Abraham to go ahead and step out of his boat to step out of this place that he's been at his whole life, a place of comfort, a place where he has prospered greatly. And God says, I'm asking you to go. And the funny thing is when people say, so where is God leading you? He says, I don't know. Like he hasn't showed me everything. He's just given me one step to take. I really don't know what the next one is. And that's how it is sometimes in the kingdom of God. God doesn't reveal our entire future to us all at once. He reveals what we need to know in the moment. And then he asks us to trust him and to take a step of faith and to obey him. And when we do that, that's when we see some incredible things begin to happen in our lives. Everything that we do in the kingdom of God requires faith. I mean, if you're going to be generous, it takes faith. If you're going to be loving, that takes faith. If you're going to forgive, that takes faith. Everything in the kingdom requires faith. The Bible says the just or the righteous, those who've been made right with God, live a life of faith. They live by faith. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we walk by faith and not by sight, not by what we see. 
So there's a walk that comes by faith and those steps that we take in this faith walk require trust and obedience. And so what I wanna bring to us today is just this one thought. Here's my main thing that I want you to catch today. And I think if you can catch this, it'll help you step out of your boat just a little bit easier. It's still gonna be a risk, but it will help. And it simply goes like this. Obedience is where our faith encounters His faithfulness. Obedience is where our faith encounters His faithfulness. And I love that because that's what I have experienced in my life. I've been scared at times, but every time I've taken that step of faith in obedience, I've always encountered God's faithfulness on that road. I wanna go to uh, a passage out of the Gospel of Luke. And I love this, this passage. And you can also find the same passage in the Gospel of Matthew. When you find it in the Gospel of Matthew, you find it at the end of the Beatitudes. So Jesus preaches his most prolific, the longest sermon we ever have recorded. He might've preached a longer one, but that one we know about. It takes three chapters for us to read that sermon. And at the end of this sermon, Jesus tells the story that we're about to read right now. And so pay attention because he's doing it for a reason. He's just poured out all this information, all this knowledge and understanding about how to live your life in the kingdom of God. And he goes on to say in Luke chapter six, verse 46, why are you so polite with me? Always saying, yes, sir. And that's right, sir. But never doing a thing, I tell you. So, The bottom line is he's saying, you can't really call me Lord if you have no intention of ever doing anything that I ask you to do. Like it doesn't work that way. Now, there have been times in my life that I have been guilty of not doing everything I know I was supposed to do. Maybe you can relate to that. I've had a lot of conversations with people and I've said this many times. Yeah, God's been dealing with me about and you fill in the blank on what that is. And sometimes I'll say, well, how long has God been dealing with you about that? And they'll be like five years. (laughs) I'm like, okay, I realize there's timing involved, but sometimes we got to start moving on those things that God puts in our heart because that's part of just being kind of submitted under his lordship and under his rule. But he goes on to saying this in verse 47. These words I speak to you are not mere additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundation words, words to build a life on. If you work the words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who dug deep and laid the foundation of his house on bedrock. When the river burst its banks and crashed against the house, nothing could shake it. It was built to last. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a dumb carpenter. Jesus said that, not me. Who built a house, but skipped the foundation. And when the swollen river came crashing in, it collapsed like a house of cards. It was a total loss. You know, one of the things that I've learned over the years is that whenever I read stories about Jesus and stories that he told, parables, if you will, I've learned that I'm usually one of the characters in that parable. Sometimes it shifts. And I've learned to read these stories like that and to say, where am I? in my walk with God right now, if I line it up against this truth. And the funny thing is, in this story right here, you can only be one of two characters. 
you're either the wise man or you're the foolish man. You're either the wise carpenter who built his house the right way or you're the foolish one. Now, what differentiates you is not how smart you are, what your IQ is. It has everything to do with whether or not you put into practice what you hear. So the wise carpenter and the foolish one, they went to the same synagogue. They went to the same church. They attended the same connect groups. They said amen at the appropriate moments in that same church. But there was a distinct difference between the both of them because one guy walked out prayerfully going, how can I put into practice what I feel God has spoken to me through this message? How can I apply this in my life this week? Lord, show me how to do this. And the other person walked out and said, man, pastor really had it today. Man, he was, he was good, wasn't he? But they walk out, forget about the message, have no intention of ever doing that. And Jesus said, here's what you need to know when you are like that. If you're the person who takes what you hear and you begin to apply it, you are building your house on a foundation, really the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. You're building your life on the rock of Jesus Christ. And he's saying when the storms and tests and trials of life come, because they do come to everyone. No one is exempt from that. Storms will come whether you love God or don't love God. They'll come to all of us. And it's saying when those storms come, if you have built a life on the truth of the kingdom and on Jesus Christ, when that storm hits your house, it may hit it with violence, but when it's all said and done, you will be standing. Your house will survive. You will make it to the other side. But let's contrast that with the foolish man. The foolish man heard everything that Jesus said, but never did anything with what Jesus said. And when I think about that, that's really kind of incredible because can I say this? Inaction is an action. Inaction is an action. Let me explain what I mean. So some of the truths that Jesus shared just previous to this story were things like this. Love those who hate you. Do good to those who persecute you and so on. Pray for them. He said, forgive them. So here's the thing. The wise person, can you, be, can you and I just be really honest right now? There's a ton of haters out there right now. You don't have to look far. Even just like politically, if you're on one side or the other, there's somebody that hates you just because of maybe what you feel politically. But how are you going to respond to those haters? Are you going to just hate them back or are you going to love them? Are you going to pray for them? Are you going to, if they offend you, forgive them? If it's personally, are you going to forgive them? See, the person who is building their life on the rock, the wise person is saying, Lord, show me how to do that. Show me how to forgive. Show me how to love. The foolish person says, you know what? I'm going to stand up for my rights. You are not going to bully me. Now, I'm not talking about being somebody's doormat. But instead of like, you know, coming in an opposite spirit, like the Apostle Peter said, like instead of responding with evil for evil, we overcome evil by good. In other words, we respond with the opposite spirit. We come at hate with love. So this foolish person says, you know what? I'm not going to do that. They don't have any right. I've got rights and I'm going to let them know what I think. And when they do that, that inaction, like choosing not to forgive is an inaction. And when they do that, they're actually building a house too. But the house that they're building 
isn't on anything that can stand up to a storm because when the storm hits their house, when stuff comes at their life, tests and trials, they collapse, they fall, there's destruction. And that to me is amazing that there's such a contrast between the foolish man and the wise man. And it comes down to this, that, that very first verse, why do you call me Lord if you don't have any intention of doing what I'm saying? Here's what I mean by that. The wise man, he built his house with the building codes of heaven, the building codes of the kingdom. He did it Jesus way. He did life the Jesus way because Jesus is the way and he did it Jesus way by his directives, his leadings, his promptings, his commands, obedience to him, steps of obedience. The foolish man built his own house as well. Maybe on the outside that house looked every bit as nice as the wise man's, but he built his own house. He didn't listen to the directives. He didn't build by the codes of the kingdom, so to speak. He didn't follow the promptings. He didn't do what Jesus asked. At the end of the day, his house collapsed. Isn't that crazy that they both sat in the same church, heard the same sermons, but what they did with it determined whether or not Jesus could call them a wise servant or a foolish servant. When I think about this, the apostle James really said the same thing. And he said it just slightly different. He said, do what God's word says. Don't merely listen to it or you will fool yourselves. Put into practice, be a doer of the word, or you'll be self-deceived, you'll fool yourselves. It's one thing for somebody else to fool you or deceive you, but if you're self-deceived, you can't blame that on the devil and you can't blame it on your mama. That's your fault. So I think what God is trying to encourage us to do is to develop this lifestyle, if you will, that whenever we hear God's word opened up, that we kind of lean in and say, God, what are you trying to speak to me? You know, if I listen to a message that goes for 30 minutes, I, it's impossible to practice every single thing that was said in that message. But you know, there's usually one or two things that God is kind of impressing on my heart. Those are the things I need to hold on to, take hold of and say, Lord, show me how to do this. We want to get into a lifestyle and a habit of obeying the Lord and taking steps of faith. And so I think that's just a very simple thing. And, you know, God has called us to be co-laborers with him. Like I think about God and I think, you know, God, you don't need me and you don't need the people around me to accomplish what you want to accomplish. You're God. You could do it all by yourself. And, and, and God's like, yeah, that's true. But I've called you co-laborers. I've called you partners. And so a long time ago, when God created man in his own image, it was then that God decided that he would create a partnership, that he would give us responsibilities, that we would have a part to play, that we would have a role in what God is wanting to do on this earth. And that hasn't changed. Um, so obedience is where our faith encounters his faithfulness. And we're gonna read a story uh, about a, a very broke widow here in just a moment. And she experienced that. And when I read this story, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be very honest with you. When I read it, I can read it with a cup of coffee, 
you know, in my Bible app, I feel very relaxed. I don't feel any stress as I read this story about her at all. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's really cool. But she was living this out. She didn't know the outcome. You and I know the outcome of this story we're about to read. She didn't. And this story is about a broke widow who is about to, she's already lost her husband. That's devastating. She's lost her husband. She has two sons. We don't know how old they are, but she's a widow. She's on her own. There's no one to help her. She's about to lose the home, but not just the home, the home that her and her husband got after they got married, the home that they had their children in and started to raise in, the home that they were fixing up. She loses him and overnight, all that sense of security is gone. She has no income. She doesn't know what she's gonna do. She doesn't know where to turn. Her husband, who she's built trust in, he's not there to help shoulder that load. He's not there to help her. She can't lean on him. She can only go to God for help. And that's what she does in this story. And we're gonna pick it up in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. It says, One day the wife of one of the seminary students came to Elisha to tell him, of her husband's death. He was a man who had loved God, she said, and, but he had owed some money when he died and now the creditor was demanding it back. If she didn't pay, he said he would take her two sons as his slaves. What shall I do, Elisha asked. How much food do you have in your house or the house? Nothing at all except a jar of olive oil, she replied. Then borrow many pots and pans from your friends and neighbors, he instructed. Go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Then pour olive oil from your jar into the pots and pans, setting them aside as they are filled. So she did. Her sons brought the pots and pans to her and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to her sons. There aren't any more, they told her. And then the oil stopped flowing. When she told the prophet what had happened, he said to her, go and sell the oil, pay your debt, and there will be enough money left over for you and your sons to live on. I love, I love the God that we serve. He is so miraculous. Um, he can show up and do things that just blow our minds. And what he did was everything for this lady. He gave her her sons because legally she could not have stopped them from being taken away from her as slaves. She's already lost her husband. But you know what? When she went to God, God said, hey, you know what? I am gonna do something for you, but it's gonna require a step of faith. It's going to require some obedience on your part. If you want to encounter my faithfulness and I want to do this for you, I'm going to require something of you. And here's what you need to do. You need to go out into your neighborhood, start knocking on doors. And when they say, hey, what's up? You need to say, you know what? We need to borrow every empty jar and pan that you have in your house. Well, how many of you know when a person across the street asks you that, there are going to be several people that are going to say, why? Why are you doing this? And all she can say is, I know this is going to sound crazy, but God told me, a prophet told me, God told me to just gather up all the empty jars that I could find. Because when I start pouring oil that I have at my house, he's going to fill them all up till they overflow. And you know what people are saying? Oh man, that's crazy. Mary, she's lost it. She's just, she's completely gone. Like, She's not even here anymore. The funny thing is, is that God not only settled the debts, but I love the fact that God is a God who's able to do more than we can ask or imagine. The God who is 
more than enough. Abraham called him El Shaddai, the God who pours out abundantly, continuously, the God who is more than enough. And that's who God wants to be in our lives. But it does require faith and it does require stepping out. And here's one thing that I really want you to catch today. It seems to me very often that God is inviting us to be part of the process, part of the miracle. Like if her story was completely isolated, that'd be one thing. But honestly, we can go all through the Bible from the old to the new and we'll find story after story after story about exactly how this same thing happened. I mean, I could give you so many illustrations, but God very often asks us to take a step of faith. I just think about Peter. Jesus was being crowded out and he's like, man, I need a pulpit to preach where these people can't touch me. Can I borrow your boat, Peter? And he's like, yeah. Moves out on the shore a little bit. They can't get to him. He's preaching. And when he's done, he's like, I'm going to bless you, Peter. Go throw your net over here on this side of the boat. And he's like, Jesus, dude. Sorry, he didn't say dude, but he said, Jesus, I'm a fisherman. You're a carpenter. I think I know my crap. I've been out there all night long. I promise you there are no fish right now. Tide is out. There's no fish right now. He's like, you know what? What you just said makes zero sense to me, but there's something about you and your words and they instantly put faith in my heart. I'm going to do what you said because it doesn't make sense, but I'm going to do it. He throws his net on the side of the boat and he catches a massive amount of fish. It's because we serve a God of the impossible and I love that about him. But I think that we see this all through the Bible. I want to tell you a story um, that I read in a book a few years ago, a book that was written about eight years ago called Miraculous Movements. And um, it's got about 10 or 11 stories in it that honestly, you, you just think you're reading right out of the book of Acts. And whether you know this or not, God is, Hebrews 13, 8, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Like whatever you saw God do, he's still doing today. He's doing the miraculous all over the world. And this is a story uh, that happened in East Africa in a Muslim nation. And uh, there is a great move of God among the Muslim people all over the world. Um, he's revealing himself to them. And so this is one of those stories. There was a, a gentleman by the name of Hani. And Hani was a sheik. And if you don't understand that culture, that's somebody that has a high standing in that community. Hani was a devout Muslim. Um, he was an influential Muslim. Uh, he prayed 17 times a day. He was so influential that they used him to start new Muslim communities and mosques, and he was successful at it. Uh, but he was troubled because in his heart, he said, even though he prayed 17 times a day, and even though he read the Quran constantly, there were many questions that he had about God that he felt the Quran could never answer. And so one night when he went to sleep, he had a dream and he said, I saw a gracious and handsome man in this dream. And he called me by name. He knew my name and he called out to me and he said, well, who are you? He, he asked. And he said, I am Isa al-Masih, which is the Quranic term for Jesus, the Messiah, because Jesus is talked about in the Quran. And so he revealed himself as the Messiah. And then he went on to say, you have many answers about about God. And I'm going to give you those answers. Here's what I'm going to do. And he showed him a tree by a busy road that he knew very, very well. And he said, I want you to go and wait there. And then he showed him the face of a man. And he said, I want you to wait 
under this tree and look out on the road. You're going to see this man walking by there. And when you do go to him, he is my servant and he's going to give you all the answers that you've longed to know about God. He's going to tell you what you're searching for. And so he got up. He was excited. It was crazy, but he took a step. He went out to this place, which he knew very, very well. It was a busy place. And that day he sat there in the hot African sun. And for 12 hours, he watched thousands of people walk through that road, scanning every face very carefully saying, is that the man? No, that's not him. And just when he was starting to lose hope and the sun was about to set, he saw three men walking. And right there, he saw the face of the man that was in his dream. And that man's name was Wafi. And Wafi was a guy who was a church planter. He was making disciples who were planting churches. And this guy ran up to Wafi and Wafi was intimidated. He's like, because in these places you lose your life. Like people will take you out if they think that you belong to Jesus Christ very often. And he runs up to him and he's like, whoa, whoa, who are you? And he explains that he's had this dream. And then Wafi remembers that several months before God had spoke to him in his prayer time and said, I'm going to give you a sheik. He forgot all about that. Long story short, he and his whole family made a decision to follow Jesus. And at the time of the writing of this book, he had already planted seven new churches and was raising up other disciples who were becoming church planters for Jesus Christ. God is doing incredible things. But I think about that story and I think, well, hold on a second. Jesus, you appeared to this guy in the dream. Why didn't you just seal the deal? You could have closed it out. You could have said, I'm Jesus Christ. Here's how you receive me. Just call on my name and so on and so forth. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus sent him to one of his faithful witnesses. Why? Because we're co-laborers. God gave us the commission to preach the gospel. He is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for people to come to him but that is our responsibility. So God wants to partner with you and partner with me to see his will be done here on earth. And I love that story because it just shows how we're both, um, how we're all to be involved with what God is doing. I want to share another story with you. Um, and I, I truthfully wish I had a thousand of these stories. I don't. They have happened rarely in my life. I pray, Lord, let them happen more often now. Uh, but I remember years and years and years ago, um, Lori and I bought a home. And uh, those homes <laughs> were really close to, to our neighbors. Like the homes were tight together. Like our driveway was here and their driveway was there. They were on top of each other. So you saw your neighbors a lot, good or bad. <laughs> and uh, so I remember we moved in, we saw this one neighbor. He seemed like a friendly guy. He was single, probably in his early 60s. And um, we got to talking to him, got to know him. And as time went on, he began to kind of open up to us a little bit more. Like I noticed it didn't matter if it was 90 degrees and really humid outside, he'd have on a long sleeve shirt. And I'd be like, dude, you, you, you're dressing up today. And then eventually one day he goes, well, he goes, Graham, he goes, uh, the reason I do that is he goes, I serve two tours in the Korean conflict. I was a sergeant in the U.S. Marine Corps and uh, my body was ripped up pretty good by shrapnel. And he goes, honestly, it's, uh, I just, I can't not wear clothes because it kind of freaks people out. So I just stay covered up. And it's, it kind of gave me an understanding of him. And as I, him and I got to know each other and my wife, 
We all got to know each other. Uh, we really were praying for him and he began to open up how he would have nightmares almost every night. You know, um, they didn't know as much back in those days about PTSD and all those things. And he was going through all that stuff. And um, so God just really gave us a heart for him. We began to pray for him. And he was medicating his way through life. He was a full-blown alcoholic. Um, and so Lori and I were really praying for him one night and God just put it on Lori's heart. He just gave her a prompting, just that prompting, that inner prompting. And she said, Graham, I really believe that we need to make an overt move and just really go out after this neighbor. And I believe God wants to use you. And I'm like, thanks a lot, Lori. <laughs> but I agreed with her. And so we began looking for opportunities. And so I remember I was part of a worship team and we were uh, leading worship at the National Day of Prayer. And on the way to that meeting, I remember just God putting something in my heart that went like this, I've got something for you. And what it did was it kind of made me lean in throughout that whole meeting. And honestly, I, I'd love to say it was an incredible meeting. It got really boring. I don't know if there was a lot of praying going on. It was kind of boring. People were dropping like flies. And the only thing that kept me there was just like, okay, Lord, you said you have something for me and I haven't seen it so far, so what is it? We get to the very end of the meeting, right? At the very end of the meeting, all of a sudden a commercial comes up with this guy, the guy that you're looking at right there. His name is Dave Reaver. He's an incredible evangelist. That's probably the best picture I've ever seen him of this guy. If you've ever seen him in person, um, he's been marred and scarred by war because he was in the United States Navy on a PT boat driving down a river. And as he was about to launch a phosphorus grenade at the Viet Cong, a sniper's bullet caught it in his hand. That thing blew up, blew 60 pounds of flesh off of his body. And it was a phosphorus grenade. So even when he went into the water as a result of the explosion, that fire burned underneath the water. Years of surgeries, um, very deformed looking, but an incredible evangelist. And when I saw him, instantly something on the inside of me jumped and I said, I've got to get my neighbor to that meeting. And so I went home and I saw him and I said, hey, uh, there's a guy named Dave Reaver uh, and I'd love to have you come with me to this meeting. And he's like, oh, I've been hearing commercials. Uh, yeah, I'll go with you. Now, how many know people tell you they're going to come to church or a meeting? They don't always come, right? So we're praying. And so I'll never forget that night. Uh, I pull up and he's there. And I'm like, hey, man, you ready to go to that meeting? He's like, yeah, but he is drunk. How many know God's not afraid of drunk people? And so... All I know was he wouldn't let me drive, which means I drove to this meeting with a drunk man who was weaving and that really increased my prayer life. But I just prayed that God would sober him up. We got there and it was so incredible because the first thing that Dave Reaver did was he had all the veterans and all the various wars stand up. He honored them and then the crowd honored them with just thunderous applause. And I saw tears begin to come down his eyes and God was beginning to touch his heart. And at the very end of that message, he gave his heart to Jesus Christ. And you know, we moved a couple of months later and I remember coming back into the area and looking for him and finding out that he had passed away. I'm so glad that Lori and I stepped out of that boat of comfort and took a risk. And I pray that we'll take many more in the years to come because I know that I will see my neighbor again in heaven. And honestly, guys, when I think about this message and what it means to me, it really kind of represents very often the crux of Christianity, that we're to live a lifestyle of hearing and obeying, that that's what God is 
expecting from us. When I think about BC Boardman and I think about all the people, first of all, it took the faith of our pastors. It took the faith of our leaders. It took the faith of a lot of people who said, I'm willing to go and pioneer to accomplish that. It took the faith of a lot of you who during the 210 initiative said, God, what do you want me to do? And you, you stretched and you reached out and you gave liberally and generously. And God has used that to plant a campus that people have come to faith in Jesus Christ, people that you've never met, you've never met before, but you had a part. You played a role in what God was doing. I think about a couple who go to our church in Boardman, two of the sweetest people I've ever met, Craig and Anita Carson. And Craig is a retired choir director from Austintown Fitch, but he now leads the men's choir out at TCI. They've done a couple of albums and I had a chance to be out there last year and watch one of those concerts. And when I see the light that he brings into a very dark place, man, it's incredible. And, and I love what he's doing. And you know, I think about this and I think God has something for each one of us. Maybe you're not a choir director, you know, maybe you're not gonna plant a campus, but I guarantee you there's something that God has for you to do in his kingdom. And I wanna just kind of bring us home with this last passage here. Um, because sometimes we don't think we're spiritual enough to be used by God. We don't think we pray enough or we know enough. Can I tell you, God's not looking for all that. God's just looking for people who are willing, people who are available. God will give you the opportunities if you're willing and you're available to be obedient, to follow those promptings, to follow those leadings, to follow him. I want to read this passage for you. In Matthew 25, verse 34, it says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Enter you who are blessed by my Father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation. And here's why. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped by to visit. I was in prison and you came to me. Then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will say, I'm telling you the solemn truth. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, I'll guarantee you that there's something in that list that every single one of us can do. We can give someone a bottle of water in the name of Jesus as an act of kindness. We can walk across the street and visit a sick neighbor or go to the hospital, visit them, pray for them. We can, we can feed a homeless person. We can clothe someone. We can visit someone who's isolated in prison. We can do that, correspond. We can do that. And if we're willing, God will give us those opportunities. And so here's the thing, you don't have to know it all today, but what I would encourage you to do is just develop that lifestyle that says, you know what, when I, when I come to church or when I'm in connect group, or when I'm just reading at home or in my own prayer time with God, when I read something and it just begins to, to speak to me, develop that lifestyle, that habit of beginning to put into action what you're reading. Because if you do that, it will transform your life. If you show up every week to church, whether it's online or here, and you just grab one thing that's shared, no matter who's sharing the message that weekend, I promise you, you'll experience transformation. Let's pray. Father, we just want you to know that we are willing and available 
we're available to you. And we just want to say, yes, Lord, whatever, whatever you're asking us to do, Lord, I just pray, Lord, would you just cause your strength, your grace and your Holy Spirit to fill us, to empower us, to be able to step out of that boat, step out of that comfort zone and take that step of obedience. Because I believe it's right there, Father, that our faith and our trust will encounter your faithfulness. So bless your people in Jesus name. And while we're praying right now, just in this attitude of prayer, if you're here today or you're watching online, are you watching the future? I just want to ask you one question. Has God been tugging at your heart? Has God been pulling on you to surrender your life to him, to, to make him Lord of your life? Because here's a really cool promise from the Bible. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. When you call on his name, he responds. If I'm out somewhere and somebody yells out, Graham, I immediately turn and look because somebody has called on my name. And when you call on the name of Jesus to come and save you, that is exactly what he'll do. I'm not talking about becoming part of this church or joining a religion. I'm talking about what are you going to do with Jesus' invitation to come? and to receive the free gift of eternal life, to receive salvation, to receive his kingdom. And so if you wanna do that today, right where you are right now, I promise you, God will meet you. You're not perfect and I'm not perfect either. And it was never about that. It was about who we put our faith and our trust in. So if you're ready to pray with me right now and just call on his name, just say these words. And I promise you when you call out, from your heart, Jesus will hear and he will respond and he will save you. Just say these words, just say, Jesus, I call on you now. Be Lord of my life, forgive my sins. I believe that God raised you from the dead. Receive me into your kingdom, in Jesus' name, amen. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at Believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.